Here, Taste Life Nutrition. This is Taste Life Nutrition Radio, where we're streaming live on KUHSDenver.com. Um, and I believe we're now hitting right around 200,000 of you amazing souls. So, uh, super grateful for that and grateful to have you with us. Um, this is a super special show, and I'm super excited to, to introduce to you my cousin. Missy, um, star. <laughs> I, I have your last name. There's a reason why I hesitated. It doesn't matter right now. <laughs> but, but Missy has an amazing story, um, which is which is such a big part of why we do this show is to bring to you people who have um, who have amazing gifts, amazing stories, uh, really amazing. How many times can a person use amazing? I don't know. But amazing things to share and to to give to the world, uh, and that's what we're about. Is we want people, to, we want to share, we want to share gifts, we want to share goodness, we want to share love and light and life. And I'm covering you up in one of my cameras, um, and we want to we want to educate and we want to bring um, the knowledge that that uh, that people have to share and that people I think that that needs to be shared, uh, and so. Missy, so glad you're here. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> Thank you for asking me. I yeah. very, felt very privileged that you asked me to do this. <laughs> so we were actually in, uh, so Mich Missy's in Michigan. Uh, I have all of my mom's side of the family is in Michigan, which is amazing because when I get to get up there, this is a, a family, I don't know, how many with the kids? Is it 75 people maybe? Oh, good Lord, yeah, easy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of people, but it's really fun because we all get together, and I just, I just don't get to do it as often as I would like to. But the last time we were there was because Allison, Missy's daughter, was getting married. And it was such a beautiful wedding, and it was so much fun. But we were sitting outside uh, having a cocktail in, in the, the sun, and it was warm and cozy, and we were talking about her, uh, Missy's history, you know, some of the things that she had been through, and it just dawned on me. I was like, this is stuff that we need to talk about. This is stuff that people need to hear about, that people need to know, because you have, I mean, there's so much to it that... I think it's a, it's just a really important story to share, and it's an important story to share. I think because one, people can relate. Two, um, my hope is that it can open some eyes, and whether that's open open opening eyes to those who want to have the surgery. Or I guess I should tell you this is about um, having bariatric surgery, but opening the eyes to those who w decide to go through it and what, what needs to happen afterwards and maybe what to expect and what can happen. Um, there's so many levels to this story that, that you know, at the very least, let's, let's open hearts, open minds to what can be the reality and then what to do, the support to get, the support to get prior to, the support to get afterwards. Um, I'll tell you my own experience uh, besides 
my family, which we'll, we'll talk about, but of course is Missy and her dad, my uncle. Um, but I've had clients who have had this surgery and it's, it's really difficult. It's really difficult on people. Uh, and it's not usually, you know, you have, the, I think what's kind of a honeymoon period maybe, where you have the first few, few couple years, you're losing weight and things look good and you feel good, but things just kind of go wonky. Um, and and so many so many things can can happen. So I'm going to stop rambling. I tend to do that early on as I ramble a little bit. But um, as always, we start the show with gratitude. And so Missy, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful for my entire family. They they have always been my support system, and uh, you know my children. Uh, they're my world. So, you know, I, I think if I wouldn't have had them, I may have not made it through my ordeal. I may have given up. Yeah. Yeah, you've got a great husband, a couple of really fun kids, adult children, uh, Alex and Allison, big, fun personalities, just really, really cool kiddos. So, um, yeah, that's uh, it's important when you're going through a situation as you were to have support because uh, I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I would say uh, <laughs> I'm grateful to still have you here where you can talk about it and you can share your story because it is super impactful. I'm grateful for having a nice tan in the middle of January. We just got back from Belize <laughs> and had, had such a great time. I hate you for that. <laughs> I know I did get a little bit darker than of a complexion than than probably most of the family up north, but <laughs> it's my dad. Yeah, I put bronzer on and I had to do a check with Allison on Facetime to make sure I didn't look like a copper penny. And she's like, "No, you're good." And I'm like, "All right, I gotta fake it here. It's February in Michigan, and I haven't gone anywhere." So. Well, I'll tell you, I wanted to talk a little bit about our, our experience because I think I think when you have a really good experience with, again, with really good people, it's, it's worth sharing. And so we went to Peacocker, um, and this is part of my gratitude. Uh, by the way, gratitude can change the world. So be, gra- be grateful morning, evening, uh, be very intentional about, uh, be, about being grateful because it truly can change the world and it radiates. So um, we went to Keycocker Belize, which is, if you don't know, it's a it's an island in, uh, you know, just outside of, uh, a little ways outside of Belize City. And on the south point of Keycocker, which is a little more remote, a little more of a preserve area, there is a, uh, a little VRBO, it's not that little, but it's, it's, uh, it's called Costa Nube. And this is where we stayed with Colleen and Aldo. And uh, of course they had a few other guests there, but it was pretty remote. Um, it wasn't directly on the beach, but it was more a little bit jungle, uh, but the beach was walking distance, it, you know. So, you know, they had bikes and they had paddle boards and they had, uh, you know, the um, uh, kayaks. And, and then, you know, we would bike into town. It was the most relaxing, amazing, comfortable trip uh, that that we've had and um, I just want to really give a shout out to Colleen and Aldo because 
they made it just really spectacular and fun and they cut a lobster up for us because it's not something that we do I'll eat the hell out of it but I've never you know cut one up before um, we just had such a great time and I ate I, would, I will never get a fill of seafood, but I certainly ate my fill of seafood and ceviche. It was it was pretty pretty awesome sauce. So uh, thanks again to Colleen and Aldo. It is uh, it was a really special trip. Good nine days. Uh, so it was it was super special. So um, let's get into the meat of what we're here to talk about, uh, Missy. I don't really have. I don't really have like a starting place. I kind of feel like I want to let you just, uh, you know, give a little bit of your history um, and whatever it is that you want to share to set the table for what we're going to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, back about 2006, now you're going to have to forgive me on some of these dates because it's been a while, um, some of the stuff that's happened in this span of time has affected my memory a little um, and, and I'll tell you why that is as well. Um, I know you know but I will share. Um, about 2006 um, my dad had his physician say that he wanted him to have gastric bypass. He was having some heart issues. He'd always kind of had heart issues since I was when I was growing up. Um, and, and we're we're all good size, you know, um, and and we 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 wrestle with weight loss. So when he was going to do it, I decided that it may be something I would like to look into if my health insurance was going to cover it. Um, and found it was surprisingly easy for me to get it. I don't know if it was the difference in insurance coverages between my dad and I. Um, but somehow I ended up leapfrogging in front of him and actually having the surgery first, even though he started the process first. Mm. So I had the surgery about 2006, and then he had it not too long after that. So yeah, for a good stretch of years, we, we did. We were doing really well. Um, the weight loss was going really well. Um, you know, I had nothing to complain about. And then probably somewhere for, for, at least for me, I'm not really sure when dad really started having his issues or when it really started coming to light that we were realizing he was having issues. Um, and I don't quite remember if he was first or if I was first, mm -hmm. but um, I know mine started about 2009, 2010. Um, I just, I just didn't ever want to eat. I just never, I was just never, I never had my head around food. I never, um, I just never thought it, it would almost turn into like an anorexic mentality. Um, I could look at myself and still think I looked like 250 pounds, which is what I started at pre-surgery when I was, you know, sitting at about 110, but that's just not what I was seeing. So um, 
this surgery, regardless of what anybody will tell you, will mess with your head more than you will ever realize. So, psychologically. So sorry, I, I wanna I, I wanna I want to make sure that, that everybody heard this because you sort of passed over it a little bit, is that you went from two hundred and fifty pounds to hundred and ten. That is, and you're, how tall are you? You're my height. We're I'm five four. I'm five four. Okay. Five yeah. four, five five. Yeah, I'm five um, three. But the hundred and ten, yeah, the hundred and ten wasn't even my lowest weight. That's that's where it got scary. Mm-hmm. Um. It, and then I started developing, you know, and then right in that time, I started developing um, pains in my stomach. I was just like always in pain. I just, I. Doctor after doctor could not figure out why I was in pain all the time. They couldn't figure out where this pain was coming from. Um, and unfortunately, that was around the time where the answer to pain was Vicodin. Mm-hmm. Um, so about 2010 is when that started. It was just kind of, we can't figure out what it is, so let's just mask the pain until we can figure out what it is. And that really took me down a very dangerous road. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm on though, when I was taking them, I really didn't want to eat because you have that feeling of, you know, it's almost like, you know, we're all drinkers. Um, you get to a certain point and you want to keep drinking you, and you know if you eat, that's gonna that's gonna take away from what you've been drinking and what you're feeling. So, of course, that just added to I never wanted to eat because that always made me feel so good. Um, and then it got to a point where I was that's just all I was doing mm-hmm. is basically just taking taking pills after pills. Um, and then Dad started getting really sick. Can I interrupt you one more time? I'm sorry. Sure. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because when I when I interrupted you a few minutes ago, um, you were talking about this, the the psychology of this, and I want to also make sure that we don't just sheer over that as well. Because if there was more that you wanted to say about that, I want you to because that's I think that that's really really important. The the only thing I would say about that is back. Now, I don't know how it is now, but when we had it, um, we did have to go through a psychological exam. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're a sane person, which for the most part I am, (laughs) um, (laughs) it's really really nothing. It it was uh, talk to a counselor for a half hour and do a test on a computer, answer some questions that were like 100 questions basically asking, you know, are you suicidal? I mean, mm-hmm. no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, I, at this point, I'm, you know, I'm a heavy, but I'm, I'm a perfectly happy person. I, you know, I have nothing wrong with me too bad physically and mentally. I, I have all my faculties. So, yeah, of course I'm going to pass this test. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, and it's when, when it starts messing with your psyche, um, as far as having the, the procedure done, there wasn't a lot of support. There wasn't, um, as a matter of fact, and I know this kind of jumps into after um, things got a better, but the doctor I was seeing 
actually sent me a letter at one point and dropped me as a patient. I mean, that's, that was there. They were just, okay, we're done with you two. So that's, wow. That was a hard hit to take too, you know, cause it was, I was really struggling. I was going through a lot of things and I needed some help. And that was their answer was to tell me that there was nothing more that they were going to do for me. That's disgusting. Are you willing to, and I don't know if he's still practicing. Is this something that you want to say his name? I don't think he's still practicing. He was out of Grand Rapids. Um, to be honest, Nick, I don't, I don't even know if I could remember his name. It would take me a minute to yeah. have to remember his name. Well, there so. are a lot of things about, about him that are, really frustrate me that we'll get into also. But I don't know that I remembered you telling me that he just dropped you in your time of need. Yes. That's just disgusting. Yeah. 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 I got it. And, and, and by a letter in the mail. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, we're into about 2010. Um, I'm, I'm pretty heavily into the medication. Um, dad starts, dad starts to, to go downhill. Um, so I'm doing my best, you know, to help mom. I'm doing my best to, uh, support dad. He spent a lot of time in the hospital, um, in and out. And then, not to really gloss over his struggles, but then we ended up losing him Mm -hmm. um, in August of, I wanna say 2011, mom's probably gonna yell at me because it could be 12, (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was 2011. Don't yell, Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, So when he went, things got really dark for me. And I was already on a path to pretty much self-destruction. So now my weight's down to about 95 pounds. I think that's where I bottomed out. And I was just living on painkillers. And I was still having these these terrible pains in my stomach uh, to the point where Allison was still living at home. I remember one morning crawling into her just just sobbing because it hurt so bad. An ambulance came and got me. It was just kind of this perpetual, um, you know, I, I couldn't do anything because my stomach hurt so bad. Mm-hmm. And then they finally figured out, when I went to saw that my, I had a follow-up with the doctor who did the gastric bypass, um, the day my mom took me in there, and I remember it was December 19th of 2011, and that was the day he admitted me back into the hospital because I had four ulcers in the in, in a stomach the size of a walnut. Mm-hmm. So that was attributing to where a lot of my pain was coming from. But he also saw that I was basically just emaciated. Mm -hmm. Like there was, if he didn't step in at that point, then I was just gonna end up next to my dad. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was just no no other outcome at that time. Mm -hmm. So that day he checked me into the hospital. Um, I'm a little, I get a little hazy on this part because it was, it was a long stint, but um, 
he did surgery, I think the day after, to basically put, he was, the, the, what I was told going into surgery was, we're going to go in and fix those ulcers. That's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so I went into that surgery, um, said goodbye to my family because I wasn't sure if I was coming back out. And when I did, and, and uh, they were able to talk to me and they had put me in ICU, they had said, not only did we fix the ulcers, we put your stomach back together. Mm. And we also had to put a feeding tube in. So for a while, that's all you're really going to eat through is this tube in your stomach. Mm. And that's, I mean, that that's what I did. I spent, let's see, I was in the hospital. I was in there longer because I ended up having, I ended up developing pneumonia and then I ended up developing a blood clot. And so I ended up in ICU. Um, I know it was, it, it was really scary for Greg because all he got was phone calls from the hospital saying, we, you know, we've got to take her. I, we don't know if you're going to see her again. I mean, it's, it was just kind of a terror all through the, you know, all through everybody. Um, I think I got a lot of visitors in Grand Rapids thinking that that was the last time that, that they were going to be able to see me. Mm -hmm. So, um, Luckily, I came out of that. I spent uh, Christmas in ICU. Um, I was not discharged from there until after the first of, it was like first week of January, I think I was able to come home. So how long but were you in the hospital? I was in the hospital from December 19th until like January 6th, 7th, somewhere in there, like within that first week or two of January. Okay, so yeah. I did a good amount in there, and most of it was in the intensive care unit because they were still trying to treat the pneumonia, and they were still trying to treat the blood clots. Um, and I will tell you something that I did. This is where my brain is. I don't, I don't even know if I've told anybody this. But, no, um, now you're telling the world, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but, but this, is, this is where my head was when I was in, in the throes of being very doped up in ICU and also being an addict at this time. Mm. That... I had my cell phone in intensive care unit and I made a call to my shoulder surgeon to tell them I needed pain medication. That's, that was rock bottom. I mean, that, that's as bad as it can get. When you're in an ICU unit, but you're, you're reaching out to a doctor who did surgery on your shoulder to try to get, you know, have a prescription waiting there for you for when you are dismissed from the hospital yeah. not thinking clearly of mm -hmm. course you know of mm -hmm. course I'm still on so many things in the hospital that <clears throat> I can't even believe I remember that but I think I think I go back to that because that was just kind of the moment in my life when I said wow I mean that's that's bad mm -hmm. that's really bad so um I get home, 
I am not a feeding tube. I basically eat through an IV that's being right, you know, right into my, my feeding tube, into my stomach. Um, started out just at night, but I still didn't have the desire to eat. Um, so all my follow-ups, finally the doctor said, we're just, you're going to have to go 24 hours on this thing. I, you know, there's nothing we can do for you till you can, till you can tolerate eating or, you know, get out of this, whatever is going on and start eating. Um, 24 hours of carrying an IV tube around was probably one of the worst things you've ever had to yeah. um it's it's degrading it's it's you know just makes you feel a lot of ways helpless um you know I went through a lot of different things mm-hmm. and then I you know of course I was still of course, I had it came out of a, a major surgery so I still had pain medication but they were trying to control it as much as they could um but again, we're still in this era of before they realized what big of a problem this mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. And also because dad had died. And then a few months after that, we had lost his brother. And then 10 months to the day of dad dying, we lost grandma. Mm-hmm. So I also really enjoyed not having to feel that that pain either you know it dulled all the senses so it was it was kind of a I mean it was my crutch it wasn't a healthy crutch and it was a crutch that that almost killed me but that that was the way I dealt with it and I and I know of course that's not the way to deal with life um but that's what I did um, I'm lucky I made it. I was headed down, I was headed down a bad path, and then, um, I was missing a lot of my children's lives. You know, Allison was 16, um, she needed me, and all I, all I did for months was lay on a couch and watch TV. Um, it, it was just not, it was not a good a, a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she was a softball pitcher for for her her high school, um, and they sent them to Florida every year for spring training. And I had decided that I thought I would like to make the trip, so I ended up. Being able to attend that trip with Allison. Um, when I was on that trip, something I don't remember. I was still on the feeding tube. I still had to do it 24 hours. I had to carry all those supplies with me to Florida to still be able to to be able to do that to to keep my nutrition in. Um, and my tube fell out. Mm. It, it just pulled right out of my stomach. I'm not sure. I because I had. I'm not sure what happened that pulled it out. I don't remember. But all I remember is hooking it up to eat, or you know, where that's how I eat. I mm-hmm. ate. So yeah, I hooked it up to eat, and um, it just it was just leaking right out. I was like, I don't. I couldn't understand why it was all so wet, and 
yeah, the tube came out. And I called this doctor and he said, um, you have to get the ER right now and have that put back in. And I said, I'm in Florida. I'm not going to have my family. I'm here with my daughter and her softball. I'm not going to have somebody run me to ER and have this put in. And I had called Greg. And Greg has... Greg has always been the tough voice of reason in 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 my mind. He, um, you know, he keeps it real. He doesn't pull any punches. Mm-hmm. So he said, "This is where you need to make your decision." Then Melissa, he said, "This is it. <laughs> this 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 is it. you're gonna eat, or or this is it." And from then, I think that's when my mindset started to change. Huh. And I don't know. I don't know what flipped that script. I don't know if it was him on the phone just being like, you know, enough is enough and we've, we've got to, you know, we got to quit band-aiding this. And we, we've got to progress this because this is no way for all of us to live. Mm. And that's what I did. Mm. I, um, as a matter of fact, when I left Florida, I left all of those supplies in that hotel room and I never looked back. Wow, good for you. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I still have, you know, I still deal with it to this day. I deal with, um, you know, I still deal with things from it. I still get mystery pains in my stomach that they can't ever figure out and probably never will. Mm-hmm. Probably by this time, there's so much scar tissue in there that. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah, I would imagine you're just full of adhesions. Oh, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, they um, put, they, when they do, in the procedure, to be specific, the procedure I had, it was called the Ruin Y. And so that's when they, they take a chunk of your stomach and they make it smaller. And then they cut out about a foot of your lower intestines. And then... I, I don't want to say the name of it, the scientific, because I'll screw it all up, but it's the little hole that, you know, obviously it comes through here and, and where your food passes mm-hmm. through to go into your stomach, and they shrink that down, they make it really small. Yep. So when they put my stomach back together um, and they widen that, that opening back up, but you can't put back a foot of intestines mm-hmm. that's been taken out. So you're just for I'm just forever gonna be plagued with some sort of digestive issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably my biggest one right now is 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 heartburn. Mm-hmm. Um, I get heartburn so bad that some days if 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 I miss my medication, um, it, it's it's debilitating. I can't. I get it makes me so sick. That's mm-hmm. how bad the heartburn gets. Um, people say they have heartburn and I say, no, I mean, I, I'm not going to tell you, you don't have heartburn, but you've never had heartburn. Like I have mm-hmm. heartburn. So, um, yeah, it really stinks. I mean, that's, and that's something that will medicate for the rest of my life. Um, in the process of all my malnutrition, I was losing my hair, um, my, the, my body was trying to pull from, it was trying to pull nutrition from everywhere. Yep. So it was pulling from my teeth. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I think I mentioned to you, I'm still dealing with a lot of dental issues from that. 
Um, I have teens that will just randomly break because they're, they're just still so weak. Because once you lose that, you know, that enamel in those, and, and that types of things in your mouth, you're, you're never going to get them back. So it's just a matter of how far are we going to go to fix them and patch them. And, you know, I, I'm missing at least 11 that have just broken and that I've had to have pulled out. So so let me let me say something real quick, and, and don't be upset with me for saying this, but no. you're, in your situation, it is much more difficult to get the strength of your teeth back and the enamel back, but you can. This is this is something that uh, you know. I don't I don't know that you know dentistry has told us that we have to fill and pull and cover and all of these things. Yes, due to uh, nutrient deficiencies, due to toxicities, all of these things. And I just want to make sure people understand that whatever situation they're in, whether it's yours, whether it's any other situation where they have unhealthy teeth or or just you know have cavities and whatever the case may be we can reverse cavities we can we can we can heal bones we can heal cavities we can heal our teeth all of these things can heal but yes when you are as malnourished as you were and probably still are due to all of the procedures and the stuff that they did and anybody who's malnourished um and 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 you know has a their toxic you know, bucket has just overflowed essentially, you know, and you've had a lot of toxicity with the surgeries, with so much of what you went through. Um, you know, that will certainly make teeth break. Uh, so um, I just, well, I feel like I have to clarify that. <laughs> well, and no, and that, that's good to hear because as a matter of fact, I just went to the dentist yesterday for my cleaning and he said, every one of my bottom teeth that I have left, because I wear a partial on my bottom, um, but the, the permanent ones that are still there, he, he wants an hour and 40 minutes for me to sit in a chair t to repair every single one of them that are starting to um, get too soft. Mm -hmm. That he said, they're not quite decayed yet, but they're getting soft. They're getting there. We got to do something. And I know that. I can feel them. I, you know, obviously, it's a know when my mouth is changing that um you know and my and my two and I should also mention my two front teeth are not real um so yeah I mean I think that I don't want to say dental issues are the hardest thing because you know I've been through a lot and that's definitely not the hardest thing I've been dealing with but now mm -hmm. in the now I I hate dealing with that, and and I'm and I've really struggled, especially with um, the I I guess I struggle also with the price of dentistry, and it's not that I struggle for money. I struggle if it's worth keeping and mm -hmm. just keep patching. You know what I yeah, mean? I yeah. don't. I just. I'm really on the fence about what to do with my mouth, and mm -hmm. I don't, I, I just have not been able to make any decisions on that yet, but um, again, when I walked out of the dentist yesterday, and he said that, you know, I need an hour and 40 minutes to fix every one of your bottom teeth, I was just, I, it, it was almost a, like a defeated, like yeah. I came home and to Greg, and I'm like, you know, this is what they said, and this is what they said, and 
you know, I'm tired. I'm, you know, I'm tired of patching things. I'm tired of, you know, just getting by. I'm getting to where I just need more permanent fixes in my life. So. Yeah. Well, thankfully, you have a nutritionist for a cousin. I know. And I know I had called you at one time when I was going through some of my... I, I was on the other end of surgery where they had put everything. I was a few months out. And they wanted me to take a medication that really scared me because they pointed out that one of the side effects of this medication was uh, basically not Parkinson's disease, but, but all the things yeah. that, that go with Parkinson's mm-hmm. disease. And it was all irreversible. Yeah. And, and I called you because at that point I was kind of panicked. And I think that was also right around the time I had gotten the letter from my doctor that said we're no longer going to see you as a patient. And so I was kind of flailing um, and reached out to you about uh, the medication they suggested, the side effects that they said that I, that I could potentially have that wouldn't be reversed and because the last thing I need now is to have you know Parkinson's disease symptoms um and and we talked mm-hmm. you, you know we talked and you gave me some options and I and I know I I went through um some of your stuff and I did take and it did help mm-hmm. um it got me through that so I didn't have to take the prescribed medications which I'm grateful for but yeah, I'm always grateful that I can uh, always call you or send you a message if I have questions because you're very knowledgeable about what's going on and very in tune with your body. Um, so, I mean, that's that's the nuts and bolts of it. And then I sit here today and I'm back at about 200 pounds and I'm thinking, did I do all that for nothing? <laughs> I'm still <laughs> where I started from. So. so hard. So let me back up real quick just a little bit because I wasn't looking for, you know, the, the you know, the, all I wanted to say was, you know, there are things that we can do that are fairly simple for your teeth and for your mouth that I think can, can have great benefits. So we'll just make sure we talk about it. Um, and so... I get where you're coming from because I feel like, you know, with with the amount of with the amount of nutrient deficiency, that's one of the biggest things that I really want to talk about here at this point is and the experiences that I've had with you, with your dad, uh, which those were my first two experiences, and then with clients that I have I've had since. The stories are very, very similar. Um, now, of course, you know, we lost your dad, which I want to hit on that. So, so many things I want to hit on right now. <laughs> My brain's all over the place. But I, so I th- let me finish what I was going to say. Is I see so often that, that people are suffering with a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. And there is, you know, your dad, he was a cook, right? And that was his sort of his world and his life was cooking good food and cooking for the family and doing Thanksgivings and Christmas and, and this kind of thing. 
And I think if you would agree, and I get a lot of this from um, from when my mom was still around, she these are a lot of things that she would tell me, but that was sort of added to his depression and frustration that he essentially couldn't cook and couldn't eat what he cooked and all of that anymore. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, because he got, you know, I, I, he got into, I would have to say the same, I mean, we were very parallel about about how things went and it, it got to a point where both we just stopped eating and, and and we got to we couldn't get him to eat anything and yeah and he was he was a mess sergeant in the national guard he um was used to cooking for hundreds of people and loved to do it when he cooked for us it was like he he didn't know how to downscale it, so he was always cooking for an army when there was six of us. <laughs> um, but yeah, that really did take a lot from him as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, going back to you know the uh, one of the other thoughts that I had, but just adding you know you know putting fuel on the fire essentially is when they when you know you go into these procedures and they're taking parts of you out. You know, I don't think I knew, realized that they took a full foot of your intestine out. I mean, I get that there are things that they have to do to make it work, but for the love of Pete, you start taking things out, the body's not going to function the same, um, and it's probably not going to function as well. Well, yeah, and I think within the first within the first year of the the. Uh, bypass surgery my gallbladder went out mm-hmm. and they said that is that is a classic byproduct of having this so within a year I was back in having my gallbladder removed because I was having that was causing me problems so you know then it just sends you down this path of then what's gonna what's it gonna affect next what you know yeah. so you just don't you don't take all that in when you make these decisions to do this. Were you told? Do you remember being no. told? No. You weren't told. I don't yeah. remember being told that pre-surgery. When I started having issues and they started looking at my gallbladder and realized I had gastric bypass, they were like, yes, of course. This, this <laughs> 95% of the time this happens. Unreal. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, just I uh, just ah, oh, just so frustrating. One of one of my biggest frustrations. So obviously, I, my frustrations don't compare with yours. But you know, I at the time where you, when you had the surgery, I was selling surgical devices, and I was selling surgical devices that are laparoscopic devices. And so when I say that, they're called trocars. They are the the instruments that you put in the the gut to uh, to to put the instruments in and through. And so at the time, you know, I was seeing lots of GI surgeries, laparoscopic GI surgeries, you know, all of you know, these bypasses, these things that they're doing. Um, the doctor that you went to, and this is during a time where this is the, this should have been the way it was done, he essentially cut you from your pubic bone to your sternum. Is that right? That is correct. Yep. I was floored that yeah and then that is also how he put me back together so um it was yeah i have very major scarring on my abdomen um and also a a i don't want to say it's 
looks like a hole, but it's a very, very deep indentation of where my feeding tube was. And those will always be there. Um, I mean, they look to, I, I joke sometimes that if you need to find a map that you can look at my stomach because it's, I mean, there's lines everywhere, you know, and it, it, it just looks like a road map. So yeah. And so it was that, and yeah, that was very hard to, um, and that's very hard to recover from when they cut your abdominal, your, your whole abdomen from stem to stern, that's not something you just bounce right back out of. Well, no, um, you're cutting muscles. You're, you're cutting all of these things that have a really tough time coming back together. Then on top of that, when we're talking about these adhesions, you know, for those, you know, many, most, probably everybody knows what an adhesion is, but what happens when you go in, it's gonna happen with laparoscopic procedures, open procedures like you had, but, you know, essentially that blood gets in there and it creates scar tissue. And so you have organs that stick together. You have um, all this fascia that can stick together. You have, you know, so it can make it really difficult to to move and for your organs to move and they get bound um, and it's it's really difficult. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm grateful to have had that experience in the OR because I've seen all of this. I've, you know, I've seen the, the adhesions. I've seen the craziness that, that can happen with these surgeries. And to, to, to think that it's okay when we had the, and I'm not, a, I'm not a physician, I'm not a surgeon, and so he may well have had a reason for it. I don't understand what it is, but it's not also not my place. It still frustrates the hell out of me though that you know you do an open procedure like that when it probably likely could have been done as a laparoscopic procedure at least the first one maybe not the second one because of all that was going on i don't know but that first one and if i remember correctly you told me that he said well this is just the way that i do it and he did not want to learn how to do it laparoscopically yes I believe that is that is correct from from the best of my my memory because my dad actually had his partner did my dad's surgery and my dad's surgery was done the same way so it was kind of the, that's how the whole practice dealt with it and it wasn't just the one doctor but it yeah, was the yeah. the two or three that were in there yeah and uh, at the time, yeah, I mean, 2006, and I know this has started, you know, that's about, you know, this was a fairly new, you know, thing coming around and, and the new fad and, you know, what, whatever it was. Um, I don't, I don't know what the laparoscopic options were at that time. I don't, you know, I don't know any of that. I wasn't educated enough sure. in that. I will say when you talked about the lesions and things like that, um, I got pneumonia in June, oh, maybe 2015, 16, somewhere in there. And I had, and I went into a ready care and they did a chest x-ray. And they came out of that chest x-ray and they said, well, we saw something really weird on your x-ray. And I said, you did? And she goes, yeah, have you had any recent surgeries? 
And I said, well, nothing recent, but I've had gastric bypass, and then I've had it reversed and gave them the years and the history on that. And she says, well, did they leave something in there? Stop it. And I said, what are you talking about? She says, we picked up something on the x-ray, and we don't know what it is. And I said, I'm going to need a copy of that x-ray. And she said, well, you know, it's our property, and... I said, no, it's not. No, no, it's not. No. Unreal. <laughs> no, it absolutely not. So I did take the x-ray, um, and I did have it looked at by another doctor. They were unsure what it was, so I took it to another doctor, and he had said, I don't think they left anything in there. I think it is a massive scar tissue. He goes, but the only way we're going to find out is to open you back up and create more scar tissue. And if it's not bothering you, then then let's leave it alone. And then I agreed because he was my primary care. He was my primary care that has taken care of me through this entire disaster. I keep telling him if he retires, because he's kind of getting that age that he can't ever stop seeing me like he still has to come in because he saw me through you know pre-gastric bypass the 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 gastric bypass the aftermath of the bypass the the addiction the you know he's always been the one that's been my cheerleader and on my side and i don't know i don't know if i would have made it without him and he keeps a very close eye on me as a matter of fact i went through um I want to say about two years where he said, I'm not going to charge you an office call. And that's, this is not about money, but the only thing you're going to come in and do is stand on a scale for me mm. once a month, because I want to know that you are not going backwards, that you're going forwards. And that was my life. Once a month, I had to make a doctor's appointment to go in and, and get in front of him and step on and step on a scale. Wow. Very cool. What a good man. Yeah. Yeah, he's a very good man. Mm -hmm. He's a very good man. Good. Good. What kind of support, besides this doctor, um, but what kind of support expectation did you get from your doctors who performed the surgery post-surgery? None. 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 <laughs> No, um, as a matter of fact, there had been a couple of times where I, I was having, um, I think that's kind of when the pain issues started and I had called over to the office and actually his nurse practitioner was not a very nice lady and I kind of went a couple rounds with her, but it was almost like she stood between me getting the help and I needed from him, like he was, it was like his job was done. He he did what he was brought on board to do, and anything outside of that, I just needed to figure it out and find my own help and deal with it. Mm -hmm. I did I did go to therapy for a while, especially when the addiction was really bad and I was trying to come out of that. Um, I and I I'm actually considering going back into therapy. Um, I don't think that's ever a bad or negative thing a person no. can do. Just step, I think um, everybody especially should do with it. the job, 
Yeah, the job I do is, is very emotionally draining. Mm -hmm. um, I see a lot of things a lot of people shouldn't see. Um, and it, it, it can really wear on you. So I, I've really been kicking around with that. I mean, that's just something that I have to have to start dealing with yeah. again to get my, I, I have to reset my brain at this point. I'm like this year, I'm 50 years old. Uh, I, I'm hope to God and my kid, I hope my kids are watching this. I want grandbabies soon. Um, <laughs> All right, you guys. I want, yeah, I, uh, I, I want to be, I want to be here and I want to be present for that. Um, I am having, I know I, we, I talked to you too when you were here for the wedding that I have a hip issue. My hip is falling apart. Um, I have a condition called hip dysplasia. I don't know if that has any connection to my history. Um, they say it's a, it, it's hereditary, but I've talked to mom. Um, we can't trace any family heredity with us. So I don't know if this is another byproduct of what I put my body through. It almost but, has to be, at least in part. I mean, yeah. if you struggle with nutrient deficiencies, if your body's not getting what it needs, if you're, if it's going through all of the stress and the strain that it's going through, how could it not be? Now, maybe it would have happened anyway, and maybe to a lesser extent. Uh, you know, who knows? We can't sit here and you know play the guessing game. But um, so, I mean, the body does not have the ability to do what it's meant to do because of what you've been through. Uh, so I, it has to be, I think. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would think in part because yeah. I can't, you know, when I tell the doctors, you know, there was no injury. I, I have not had any injury to it. I kind of just woke up one day and it was kind of bothering me. It just progressed and progressed and progressed and progressed to the point where, um, I've seen three doctors and I'm, I, I was pushing for a replacement because that's how, how bad my pain can get. And of course my history with pain medications, I can't, um, you know, really do that. So I do have a doctor that does epidurals. Um, but I, you know, and any doctor that will replace it are, you know, you're 50 years old. We're not, we're not giving you a hip replacement. And then, so that's just another cross I'm going to have to bear mm -hmm. until I can figure out how that's going to get fixed. So what age, what age are you supposed to be to have hip replacement surgery? I had two doctors tell me that it wouldn't even be thought about until I was 60. So I got another 10 years of this. So frustrating. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I want to make sure we only have, we've got about six minutes left. I want to make sure, for well, I want to make sure that you have, have said everything that you want to say, but I also want to make sure that, um, that there's a real understanding out there for for those, you know, kind of how I started the show is, I feel like, you know, this is a procedure that is pumped up to be the end all be all. Um, I don't really know if that's the case, but that's how I feel. You know, I've got a bunch of studies, I you know, was putting my notes together and there are these studies showing, you know, that 
bariatric surgery can, you know, it can decrease comorbidities, it can, you know, all of these things. But then it showed that, what was my numbers? Showed that liver, where'd it go? Liver, uh, people who died of liver, chronic liver disease was 83% higher in those who had bariatric surgery. They don't know why, but 83%, that's not a small number. <laughs> no, it's not. And the, the thing that also bothers me, and this I didn't find out until recently, but my husband works with, with a gentleman who uh, had just went to the doctor and came home and he said, you're never gonna believe that. His doctors just said he wanted him to have it I mean, was was advocating, and he was really having no other health issues other than he was that he's overweight, and it wasn't. I mean, that was his go-to answer. It wasn't let's try this or let's try that or you know because you know Gregzo, I we need to get Gregzo out of the toilet, and he certainly isn't going to go have this after everything sure. I've gone through, yeah. and yeah. so. I can't I, I was just kind of floored that 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 was that was the solution right out of the gate mm -hmm. and I think that bothered me a, a lot too and and I also want to say that you know I do know a lot of people also that have had it since they've had it and they have told me about it and I know that they're they get a little gun shy about it and I don't stand on a soapbox about it right. I'm as supportive as I can be. I, I'm not, I can give you my experience, but I'm not an expert. I don't know, I don't know percentages. I don't know numbers. I can tell you, you know, people that are close to me, you know what I went through. And if this is the decision you're gonna make, I, I will support you. I just can't support this decision. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I don't know how that makes them feel but I can't pretend either. I sure. can't. I can't <laughs> pretend that when I when I see them struggling, I, I have one person in particular right now that I see going down the exact same uh, the exact same way. And after everything I went through, this person is pretty close. That that the, that this is the way she's you know choosing you know i i just don't i don't understand people i guess there's I, everybody's mentality is different and i know what mine is and you know again i'm not an expert and i don't know all these percentages but on my experience again i can't i'll support you and if you've got something going wrong i will do my best to, to support that but if you're going to come to me pre-surgery and tell me this is your decision I'm not going to advocate for it. I, yeah. I I can't. I can't. Yeah. I mean, it took my dad away from me. It damn near took me away from my children and my family. My mom almost lost two of us in within a year. I do that to her. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so hard, and I think I think you're 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 right when people need to make their own decisions. Um, and you know, I think that's that's good. But be informed and. It, the to me sort of outside looking in in my own you know outside experience 
find the support you need post-surgery, mental, emotional, and physical. And here's what I know. There are things that we can do as, as practitioners to help you and probably keep you from losing your gallbladder, right? Help you keep your nutrients in a good place, help you not lose muscle mass. It's a big thing is losing muscle mass. Um, you're not, when you go through this procedure, it's not that you're just eating less. Your body doesn't function the way that it's supposed to. Things are taken away. That foot of, of intestine has a, has, a, has a place, it has a job, and that job is no longer there. Um, and to, to think that you have all of these, you know, however many feet of intestines that we have, and you can just take some of it out, is crazy and limited in the understanding that the body is created as it's created for a reason and a purpose. This includes tonsils, this includes gallbladder, this includes appendix, this includes all of the, the, the things in our body that so many will come to you and say, you don't really need it, let's just get rid of it. Or, you know, it's giving you a hard time, let's just take it out. And then though, now I'm going to get on the soapbox, or I'm already on my soapbox, but <laughs> there are, there, there's no support post-surgery for gallbladder removal. They don't tell you to go take digestive enzymes. They don't tell you to take lipase. They don't tell you that you need to support your gallbladder even though it's not there anymore because it has a job. They don't tell you what to do when you lose your appendix and they don't tell you what to do when they when you you know when they take out all your stomach except for a walnut size. And and how are you expected to, to do anything with that? I just and I think I, I understand and I believe this is correct that you know over time it's gonna stretch a little bit, I assume it will. But if then it's full of ulcers, you know, or, or whatever the case may be it just makes no sense in the world, and, so, sorry, it makes no sense in the world to, to not support that and not send somebody to a nutritionist or, or a dietitian or whoever it is that can give support post-surgery, but to, to just then, I don't know, I was gonna say something and then I lost it, but because <laughs> my mind's going in all these different places, but it just makes no sense. If you're going to do the procedure, if you're going to do any procedure, especially if it's removing pieces and parts, get support afterwards. Understand what, what your body now needs to, to replace what's missing because it will create deficiencies. It will create problems. It will create problems. It may not be six months down the road, but 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, if you're suffering from anxiety you've never suffered from before, if you're suffering from hip issues, you know, all of these things that may seem like they're not related, the likelihood is pretty high that they are if the body's not functioning yeah, properly. And, and I was also told after I had it that the st statistically you're more likely also to become an alcoholic yeah. after the surgery. Yeah. Well, that suicide rates are higher. Um, you know, so there's, you know, they, there is, you know, when I was reading these studies, they were promoting, they're saying, yes, all of these comorbidities go down, diabetes goes down, uh, you know, heart, you know, uh, cardiovascular issues go down, you know, go down the list of these, these, these uh, um, metabolic issues is the word I'm looking for, but these metabolic issues that, yes, if you, if you lose the weight and you start to decrease your inflammation and all of these things that play a role in 
oh, I, I know one of the things I was going to say, but play a role in, in this process, sure, those things are going to go down as those weight starts to go down, but the inflammation is still probably going to go up, which means your anxiety is going to go up, then you're losing nutrients, and then all of these other things that just replace that. So you've got suicide rates that go up, chronic liver disease, whether alcohol or non-alcohol, um, you know, what else is happening? You know, they're not talking about this dumping syndrome that can happen. I don't know if that's something that you experienced. It, I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's a really tough thing to deal with as well. And then the mental and emotional issues. It just, it's, it is, it's mind blowing to me that there's such a lack of support. Um, I, Post, post procedure. So anyway, uh, yeah, certainly back then, certainly back then there was. Um, I I don't know if that's changed within you know the new decade and all that. But um, I'm not obviously not as in touch with with all that as I used to be. But yeah, back back then there was there was no no. I mean, again, you know, I got a letter from a doctor that said, all right, well, we're done. <laughs> yeah. So what, so what do I do now? What, what do I do now? I mean, that I, I walked around and asked myself that question for the whole rest of the day. What do I do now? Yeah. 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 That, it, it, I just find that to be, again, just, just overly disgusting, overtly disgusting. Part of the problem too, though, is I believe, um, and are you okay on time? So I'm running over a little bit, but I think it's important. <laughs> and there's nobody coming. I'm, I'm good so. on time. Okay. I, I I sit here and talk to you all day. <laughs> but something you know, I talk about a lot, and it's it's not necessarily the fault of of physicians. It's the fault of mainstream medicine. But there is, you know, they don't. There's no nutrition in their background. There's no nutrition in their studies, in their schoolwork, in their in their residencies. You know, there's none of this. They don't understand food. They don't understand literally, which is, I find mind blowing, but they don't understand, not, and this is not a blanket statement. This is, I mean, it is kind of a general statement, but it doesn't mean it's everybody. But the, the lack of training and understanding how food affects the body and how food's gonna affect recovery and how taking things out is going to affect the body um, the lack of, of training in this, I think, is, is, is so much of what's playing a role in these, all of these negative outcomes because just understanding basic biochemistry <laughs> should, 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 should sort of, that light bulb should go off and say, oh, maybe we need to put you on a good multivitamin that, that breaks down in the mucosa in the mouth instead of in the gut. Right. Let's let's think about things like that. Let's think about how we can actually get the nutrients in your body, um, and that bypass the gut, so we don't have to mess with that, and you're still in a in a good place. Let's think about you know filling you with amino acids that are missing. So many of these basic things, but to me they're basic. But when they're not trained, when you're trained to 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 diagnose a symptom, which is not fixing a symptom, it's diagnosing a symptom and then covering it up. You know that that is that's just kind of where you stop, and then they drop you because they're like, I don't know what else to do, and then right, they they right. just don't have any they don't have any answers for you. So they're like, well, I don't know, you got to go figure it out, which is really frustrating. But it's also why I have a job, 
right? That's my job right. is to figure out what's going on and why, you know? Right, right. And they had always pushed, um, when they pushed protein at that time, it was protein, like the protein shakes and the protein drinks. I don't know why I couldn't tolerate them, but I couldn't. And they were they were the worst things. And they're, yeah, this is, they're, the, they've come, protein has come a long way. Outside the of two things, animal protein. Yeah, and the two things when I did try to eat that really, really bothered me were um, chicken and bread. And I could, because they would always get stuck in that shrunken hole. Yeah. So it would never pass through. So I would always end up having to bring it back up because I, it was, that's the only way it was going. It wasn't going anywhere else. And it would just sit there and it hurt, like heart attack hurt and you have to get it up. So when you're not getting any of that, but you can't tolerate, um, you know, what they're telling you to do, but you have, they're giving you no other options, then what? Yeah. Because I don't know, mm -hmm. this, this isn't what I do for a living. I, I don't know. Well, that's the problem. They don't either, and they're like, "Oh, so be on your way." <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's heartbreaking and it's sad. And oh man, there's so like there were other things that I wanted to talk about, but I feel like I should probably um, not. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it again. You know, I I think I just want to say real quick that I I feel like a lot of people believe that this is their last source their last answer you know they go through um, and what I know is weight loss is hard it can be really difficult but it's so important to understand that sometimes it's not just the willpower so often there's so much more to it once you start to go into a little bit of a spiral you've got hormones that are out of balance you've got your leptin and ghrelin which are your hunger and satiety hormones that are out of balance and then you, you know, potentially there's infection. There are all of these things that can be happening that create cravings, that create the lack of willpower. It's not you, it's not something that's wrong with you. There's more to it. And find somebody to help you that's gonna help you dig through those types of things. Run labs on, on you know, on your gut. You know, run labs on your hormones. Run as many labs as you can you know, find somebody, and I'm going to say find somebody like me because this is what I do, but there there are others who do what I do. That's what we do in functional nutrition is we look to dig for the root cause. We want to understand the underlying problems of what's going on, why it's happening, how we can address the root cause or the multiple root causes, and then allow the body to do the rest, right? And so it's try to take a step back if this is where you are or if this is what you're considering take a step back and see if you can do more digging don't just rely on trying to lose weight and don't just rely on the those who tell you just eat less and exercise more because that's a bunch of it's, it's crock of shit and it really frustrates me that people say that um, sometimes it's the case uh, and sometimes there's a lot more going on that that uh, that needs to be addressed and that can help people get past that point to where maybe that it's no longer a, a consideration, then if you are, have already gone through it, find somebody to help you understand what your body needs now. Don't allow yourself to get to this point to where 
Um, you're having to deal with these things that, that, that Missy is dealing with, you know, whether it's GI, whether it's teeth, whether it's bones and joints and all of these things because it probably will happen if you don't support your body and all the things that it needs after such an extreme procedure. So. Yeah, and please, yeah. I, I just, please don't think that this is the easy way. And I think that's where everybody goes, that yeah. this is the easy way to, to lose the weight and better my other health issues. But like, I'm, I'm with you, I, you've got clients, I've got family and friends that I see that, that in the end, it's, it's not, it's not easy. It's, yeah. it's the farthest from easiest that you'll ever do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I have to be done. I have to have for us to be done. I think that this was really so informative and I'm so grateful that you're willing to share because that's, it's hard stuff to share. I mean, you went through a lot and it's really hard, but, um, this is stuff that people need to know. So thank you. Well, thank you, and I'm I'm very glad to do it for you. And um, it's you know it's a part of my life now. And I and I had said for a while, especially after Dad uh, passed, that you know if I had ever got the opportunity to speak out, I would. And Yay. you gave me that. Yes. So when you asked me to do this, I was flattered. Of course, I'm going to do it. Um, again, I can't. You know, I, I can't promote having this <laughs> procedure done when, um, yeah, being, <clears throat> I'd rather be over, be, you know, be overweight and, and happy instead of not being here yeah. for my children and my yeah. family, yeah. so. Cool. Well, I love you, and thank you. I love you. Thank you. Um, and we'll do it again. I think it's important. This is important enough where we could do the same show again um, and, and have other things to talk about, but, uh, you know, reach more people. So let's let's plan on that. We'll do it again. A hundred percent. You cool. let me know anytime. Cool. So thank you all for joining. I know we ran over time. Uh, I don't think I've ever run this far over time, but it, I think that it, it was necessary. So appreciate you. You can always find me at tastelifenutrition.com. Uh, you know, you can fill out the free assessment that I have that will lead you straight to me and we'll talk a little bit about your needs, your goals, and uh, if there's something that I can do to help or if there's somebody I know who might be able to help you better. Um, also, make sure that I am letting everybody know we are right on the verge of launching Soulful Conception. So this is purposeful living for creating a healthy body, a healthy pregnancy, and a healthy baby. Uh, this is important for today, and it's important for our future. And uh, make sure that you uh, check that out. Reach out to me. Happy to chat more about it. Um, it's going to be it's good stuff, really good stuff. I have um, a, an amazing lineup of guest experts who are going to help guide anybody who's interested through um, all of the things that we need to do in order to prepare for conception, whether you're early in the process or if you're going through IVF. Uh, it's important to have um, all of the tools that you possibly can to create that healthy baby. So um, what else? Taste Life Nutrition, all the social media. Find us here every Thursday, 10 a.m. Mountain Time on the amazing KUHSDenver.com. And we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Stay there, Missy. Hold on. All right.